listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 122 of the Testudo Times Podcast. We wish we were still on the beach. Right, Thomas? What do you mean, still? I'm, I'm, a, I'm recording this from Cape Cod. You're recording this from Cape Cod. I'm recording this from my couch, which is not near a beach. Well, I, I'm also on a couch. It's just a couch somewhere else. Near a beach? I'm 50 near, miles in. yes. Why didn't you warn me of that before we started recording? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it, 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 it's a summer vacation I wish I really had, but I'll tell you what did take a summer vacation my computer, and my phone, both which broke since we last recorded the show. So I've been kind of off the grid for a while. But uh, Maryland sports are pretty much off the grid in July, until they aren't, even though today is August the 1st when we're recording the show. Immediately once August starts. Immediately once August starts, something happens, and it's not something we expected to see. Uh, Schneider Harrard, the transfer from Mississippi State, he was a Maryland player for six months without even playing a game. I'm wondering who's going to buy the first Schneider Harrard jersey as a in joke. I I don't know. This is a. I still don't really know what the motives are for it. Um, I think it's something. He, he's had a good summer in the Kenner League, and I guess maybe he, you know, got an offer and and jumped at it, knowing that he would still have to redshirt the first half of this season, or sit out the first half of the season, but. You know, the timing of it and what the role he would have filled. Maryland doesn't have a backup center right now, and it's going to be pretty hard to, like, find one. Unless, I think even Bender is, is the backup center for, for the moment. You have to make one, pretty much. Yeah, like, it, in a, yeah, in a lab or something. I mean, that's their best bet right now. I mean, I don't mean, we have the Google AI thing? The virtual reality, don't you think they something? Can but something? then, but then, does the NCAA have rules on whether or not one of those can be eligible to play? Like probably if, if not. You, <laughs> they make yeah. up rules as they go. Yeah, and how long would would it take to teach one of those things? You know, an actual post move. Um, you know what? It couldn't be worse than the options that Maryland has. No offense, Josh Tamai. At least at center. Like those guys better. are those guys are good players ish. They're okay, but they're not centers. Neither. I, I think that what we might end up seeing is what Matt Allentuck was screaming for for years on this show. Terps going small. Yeah, I mean, you'll you'll probably have to, but even then, you know, I don't really love either of those guys as a small ball center. You want one guy that's that's big and athletic. Fernando's a good, you know, he's 6'10". He's not you know, this slow behemoth. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. They'll, they will figure something out they might even make a weird late edition like an even later edition they they go on a trip to italy just a couple days after we record this so this is this is correct and i do want to talk about that briefly because i have no idea what this trip actually contains other than playing some euroleague teams in italy you've never heard of but i think we mentioned it before now i guess this trip is more important because it allows mark turgeon to kind of figure out well what the heck does he have Schneider Harrard was not apparently able to play in these games anyway, so he would have figured out how they would have gone about going 
to play without Schneider Harari. Now, this, these games are going to be more important. He essentially gets extra practice time, which other teams don't have. And I guess now, as you say, that's more important than ever because he has to figure something out that he loses a player he was not expecting to lose, even if he was only going to have him for half a year. Yeah, it was going to be pretty crucial regardless, just because this is such a young team with five freshmen coming in, only a, a few starters returning, but a lot of the bench left um, either to graduation or Deion Wiley transferred, or things like that. And now, and now Harrard's gone, and then the couple guys went to the draft. So Imagine if, just, just for the sake of saying it, imagine if Bruno Fernando did actually go to the NBA draft. This would have been a right old disaster, perhaps. I feel like Harrard might have stayed knowing that he would potentially be the starting uh, if center. If you got a pro offer, you never know. Like that's that's the only thing that I could say about pro offers is that sometimes you can't really turn them down. A pro offer at this time is pretty rare though. Because it's never you know, it's not the NBA coming for him. Mm-hmm. I think the underrated part of this is he's actually the second Maryland player in just a few weeks to actually do this because Eliana Kristinaki from the women's team is going to play professionally in Greece, and she, she had a year of eligibility left. And that was surprising because she was all, she was another mid-season transfer, although she actually played half a season for Maryland. And did pretty well. Yeah, well, her, her debut was fantastic, and then she was kind of up and down after that. She had some really good games. She had some clunkers. She would have been – she maybe would have started this year. I mean, she – it's – that is a – somewhat thin team she would have gotten a lot of minutes but it sounds like you know she got enough offers in her home country she couldn't refuse and that's what surprises me about her art is you know her art isn't going to play in his home country necessarily like do we know what the offer was from i don't know if he even had any specific offers it's rather just he heard some people tell him that's the thing he could do i think and jumped at the chance and now we'll figure it out that's um an interesting decision but also like when you read some of the stories about harard at mississippi state um it's he it seems like i'm not going to say that it was as bad but there was an interesting decisions that he made in terms of when he left why he left when he said he was going to transfer and all these things so maybe he's not opposed to spur of the moment decisions that's that's reasonable i you know, I haven't been able to really dig into this and figure out what and why. There was ac- there's actually going to be a media availability in the morning that I think one of our guys is going to be at, and you know they'll probably have have to ask some you know have to answer some questions about this. So we'll we'll hear more. Sure. Uh, not on this show, but stay tuned to the website. And by the time this podcast is probably up, you will have seen some of the explanations from Mark Turner and the company. And I have to imagine this took them by surprise too. Yeah, I would be, this, this is not something that's often like planned well in advance. And so with that, Maryland, also the big news from today was supposed to be they released their non-conference schedule. Instead, they're losing a player. Uh, before we get to that, it's town 10 scholarship players that they have. And next year, of course, the Mitchell Twins are coming in. And presumably, as we say, Bruno Fernando is going to be in the NBA draft next year. So, like, they can't get the Mitchell Twins to reclassify, which would have been very helpful. 
but it now adds even a little bit more pressure to what they're doing for 2019 recruiting. Well, where's but... that? Where's that Marvin Bagley loophole? Oh, uh, I wish get someone. It... Oh, you can get someone those... in late August. Do you think those loopholes work for Maryland, or do they only work for Duke? We'll have to find out, won't we? I don't think they're going to work for Maryland. Do you? <laughs> Probably not. Just a guess. But if 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 the, if Mark Turgeon can manage to pull that off, I think that even some of his most ardent detractors would probably give him a pass. One can hope. So let's actually yeah. now go to the schedule in the out of conference, the Schneider Harardless Terps. And Harard would have been the backup to Bruno Fernando, but he would have still played a pretty big role because Maryland is so thin at that position. And let's go over the actual non conference schedule now in order. Uh, there are no real surprises. In it, I would say, I mean, most of the games we already knew, they're going to play Delaware. The only game that they don't play at home is Navy, but that's going to be an essentially a home game anyway because it's in Annapolis. Then they play North Carolina A&T, Hofstra, Mount St. Mary's, Marshall, Virginia, the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Loyola Chicago, they play both Loyola Chicago and Loyola Maryland in back-to-back games. The, uh, the Ramblers game is in, um, is in Baltimore. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, I that think was, that's probably the finding most exciting that, game of the finding that out today. Schedule. Finding that out today definitely, I think it changes how I how I do view Maryland's non-conference schedule because there are I think four or five NCAA tournament teams, and there are four is your answer, sir. Yeah, and there are fewer just total cupcakes than there were last year. You know, some of the mid-majors are pretty good, but it's you know Maryland never schedules a great non-conference and this is a thing that has been talked about on this site in our comment sections uh, for a very long time i think all maryland fans have been talking about it for a very long time this this schedule is okay considering it's considering it's only 11 games it's better than it's been i'd say it's okay it is not the Oh, and since I started following there were at a conference schedules when maryland would play better teams like there was one year when they played kentucky that, you know, they played Virginia and out of conference. They had the North Carolina and Georgetown year. But even then, after outside of that, it was pretty light. I mean, here, playing Virginia at home, I don't think many Maryland fans are going to play. Loyola, Chicago, as we said, that's going to be a lot of fun. Whether they'll anywhere near going to be able to recap, uh, recap, recapture the magic from last year, who the heck knows. But it's a Final Four team and a one seed from the NCAA tournament. Marshall made it to the second round. Seton Hall's a a tournament team that's going to be down a bit. It's kind of like playing Butler last year. But that's not terrible. I think but most people, you know, when you see all these events, right? And last year it was the what was it? The Niceville Florida Invitational or whatever the heck it was, which was disastrous and the second place or the runner-up game was available on a YouTube stream with no commentators. Like Maryland fans, I think they want to be involved in one of these big preseason tournaments. They want to be involved in the preseason NIT. They want to go to Maui. They want to go to the Bahamas or something like that. And Maryland is not involved in it. They're one of the few teams that isn't. And I think that that's what's getting many people rankled a bit. But, I mean, this out-of-conference schedule is not terrible, considering you're going up from 18 Big Ten games to 20. It's not that bad, all things considered. I think that's fair. It's, it's by no means, like, a really exciting slate although the you know there, there's enough games at home there's enough well they're all of know, the games are at home yeah every game's in maryland there's one game that's in baltimore that you know they'll be the home team and there's one that's in annapolis well they'll be the home team it makes it easy to cover for for better and worse yes it um, does 
I think I think the no tournament thing might have something to do with the Big Ten going to 20 games. I haven't seen how many other Big Ten teams are in tournaments still. Michigan State's in one in Las Vegas. Of course, they're in the Champions Classic every year. Mm-hmm. Um, I know most of them are. Most of them are in one or the other. Michigan was in Maui last year. I mean, most of the Big Ten teams play it. I think they just wanted more conference games to make things more balanced. You know, because when you go to 14 teams, you're out of conference schedule. is so, you know, it can be so wacky. You know, if, like, some team plays Purdue twice and, like, or last year, or, you know, some teams could have such a horribly unbalanced schedule. Like, the only protected crossover games are Purdue and Indiana or something like that. Like, I can understand why most of the major conferences want to go to 20 games. I think it makes sense for them. But, yeah, it does take away the out-of-conference schedule. But Maryland should be committing to scheduling harder. Maybe it's a Turgeon thing, because I don't know about the Gary Williams scheduling. But somebody, if you do know more about that, you remember more of those schedules, you can tell me. But maybe it's just a Turgeon thing that they don't schedule particularly difficult out-of-conference. And even though the opponents aren't necessarily that bad... Them all being in the state of Maryland means they don't play a road game. I mean, they will play a road game in their December Big Ten games, but they're going to play one road game before the meet conference play starts. Not great. And we know how good Maryland is on the road. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting choice. We'll, we'll, see. we'll see how it pays off. Uh, the, we know the opponents for Maryland in the Big Ten. That was released a while ago, and you can go on the Wikipedia has it. So go go look there. I don't remember exactly what teams they double up upon, but they have the twenty games. That's not there's no schedule yet of the order, but there are opponents for the twenty in the Big Ten. Uh, the women also released their out of conference schedule as well. Uh, would you like to talk about that? A little bit. Um, no UConn this year, which. Oh, for better and worse. Maryland obviously hell lost no all fury three of like, Hell hath no fury like UConn teams losing in the Final Four two times in a row. Yeah. Uh, they're out South Carolina this year. And other than that, that it's... kind of a home and home. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it's, it's a little bit less interesting than it has been. I think also fewer cupcakes than normal. That's that's something that's burned Maryland in the past. Uh, particularly two years ago, they were a three seed when they were, you know, a top five team talent wise, because they didn't schedule enough out of conference teams. Because Who the Big Ten is Big Ten is weaker. Um, they they play Georgia, who has Jenna Stady, who used to play at Maryland. It's not terrible. Last and year, then, I think Georgia was a. Weren't they a four seed above Maryland? No, Georgia was a little lower, but okay, well, comparable. Yeah, and obviously, well, with Stady, it, it might be a whole different thing. George Washington on the road is a pretty good game. Road. They'll play George. Being used as a loose term. In the in the other building. Road. Where where the Being other fans buy tickets. Term. Yes, yes. Georgia Tech at home in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. James Madison, Delaware, pretty good. If this was Maryland, James Madison, and women's lacrosse, that would be a little bit different. But no, it's not that. No. So, I mean, this is not – there aren't as many marquee matchups as, as Maryland's had in the past. But I believe um, women are also going to 20 games in conference too, so it limits your scheduling. I mean, they've only had 16 before. 
So if they're if they're going to eighteen, well, I see. I see in terms of out of conference games, I see eleven. I see eleven. Yeah, so, so that that would probably put them at eighteen conference yeah, games or eighteen or something like that. Yeah, but there there's clear that they've added games in in conference because they have the same number of mm-hmm. conference games as the men do. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's it's uninspiring, but it's not particularly bad. I think it's 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 around par for what Maryland's done recently. And shouldn't they still be the favorites in the conference regardless of that? Maybe. I think with Ohio State losing Kelsey Mitchell, Maryland's probably the favorite again because Maryland still kept most of its core from last year. There there are still a few other pretty good teams. Iowa's got some some talent left and a couple others, but I, I yeah, Maryland's going to be the favorite in that league. Mhm. So there you have out-of-conference schedules released for Maryland men's and women's basketball. Some football things, as we are now in the month of August, they are starting practice on Friday the 3rd, so tomorrow, if you're listening to this on the 2nd, when the day it drops. Uh, Some commitments for Maryland's recruiting class of 2019, which up until recently was actually the worst in the Big Ten, whatever that means. And what do we think about some of these players that have committed? They've gotten a couple in, in recent days. So the two guys that committed over the, uh, on Sunday and Monday are two of the better players in this class already. They, they're teammates. They both go to Flint Hill in Virginia. There's Trey Rucker. He's a safety. Jordan Houston is a slippery running back. They're, they're pretty similar players. They're both maybe a little undersized, but they're both really athletic and could potentially become four stars by the end of this recruiting cycle. Maryland only had like three or four four stars last cycle, and that was a top 30 class. So, so far, I believe everyone in the 2019 class from Maryland is three stars, but there's there's higher three stars. And mm-hmm. these these are are two of, I think, the better pickups in the class so far. So... I think they also did. They go to that school in Virginia that Maryland is really trying to start recruiting heavily. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. No, I apologize. No, Flint Hill is a new one for Maryland recruiting recently. The one that I think is the one they've been going to. That's in Virginia Beach. That's that's that it. Is, yes, correct. That's Bishop Sullivan. Hmm. Forgive me for not knowing that. <laughs> That's why that's why there are other people on this podcast. That is why there are other people on this podcast because you cannot get me to think about high schools in Virginia. I'm sorry. Maryland is that's what, Well, that's what I'm here for. As I a know, kid who went to high school well, in Virginia. That's what you're here for. That's what Jared said. That's what a lot of people are here for, sir. Uh, Maryland, all of their recruits right now are are three stars. They are only ahead of Rutgers in the class recruiting rankings and behind Illinois and everybody not named Rutgers. I mean, they had a top 20 recruiting class going into 17 and a top 30 recruiting class going into 18. So, I mean, there's bound to be a little bit of a drop-off. But Well, this was going to be a smaller class anyway. And they it's, had such a huge it's a, a, it's a weaker ago. class locally. It's a weaker class locally. So, Yeah. But they seem you know, to have that, guys that they, that they went out and targeted and they wanted and they got. So Yeah. And, so under, and I think that staff understands, especially with all the changes in the coaches. They know that yeah. they're going to And then be, 2020 is a great class locally. So that's so, so they might, I mean, maybe. So I, I think a lot of their recruiting energy is already on that. 
Yeah, because if you're gonna if you're gonna do it right, you gotta recruit this area. And I, and as I said, these are things that I personally am not supremely aware of, but I'm glad other people are. Uh, but they're now up to ten. I don't remember what the class size is, but it's gonna be what upper teens. I think this this class will probably be upper teens. Mm-hmm. Pending what happens elsewhere, but doesn't sound like a terrible idea. And as you say, some of these players could get upgraded into four stars because they have one more year of high school football left and the recruiting rankings often change and they go up once a team like Maryland signs them. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting looking class because there's already one corner named tank. That's good. But all of the players are pretty much from the DMV. And there's like what? Seven of the 10 are from the DMV or something like that. Not yeah. Too bad. Or, or even extended DMV, you know, yeah. cause Virginia beach isn't like, no, it's not, but the DMV does stand for District Maryland and Virginia, and Virginia Beach is in Virginia. I can't really argue with that logic. No, you cannot, sir. Uh, both uh, throughout the month of July, my brain is on uh, summer vacation, too. I, I'm not as good with the English language as I want to be. Oh, well. Uh, throughout the month of July, everybody here on the site's been writing stuff about position groups for football, and since practice is about to start, uh, Thomas, I want you to go into some of the things that, you, that stood out to you when you were doing the research and you were writing up these posts about some of these players who you think is going to be a name that Maryland fans are going to want to know more about and pay attention more to. Because once you go through the entire roster, it isn't just you know the six running backs that stand out and the offensive line. There are a lot of other players that could jump out to you too that you didn't necessarily know so much about before you started doing those pieces. So who are some of those players? Well, I think the, the, the players that really stand out are the players that have been standing out. You know, a lot of defensive backs, Jesse Annabonum. Defensive line is the one spot that, above all else, can be either really good or really bad. And I think how good or bad it is will really determine just how good the defense as a whole is. And obviously quarterbacks, but, like, that's a given, and we don't even need to you know, pretend that's a big deal because of course it is. It's um, a huge deal. Well, if for Maryland, it's yes. the only deal. Yes. It, if they have a healthy quarterback, that's really the end all deal. Of... If they have a good, healthy quarterback, they'll be fine at most other things, I think. Well, I don't but... want our, our season preview podcast at the end of this month to basically be if the Maryland quarterbacks stay healthy, they will be good. If not, then cry into the corner again. But that's essentially what it is. But beyond that, all right, that, I'm glad are... we've already recorded the season preview podcast. Oh, Let's do it. No, 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 <laughs> sir. No, no, no. You're not getting away that easy. Uh, <laughs> in terms of uh, players that you wanted to that you want to speak more about, are there any that you, when you were going through this, you said, okay, I got to watch out for him this year. He, he's going to be something that he has the potential to be a huge impact player for this team that you might not have thought of before. Well, that you might not have thought of before. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm probably the wrong person to ask about that because I've thought about it. But well, you maybe know Byron you Coward. I think Byron Coward is my answer to this because there wasn't really a ton of fanfare when when he when he came came aboard because he came he committed on signing day. He's like technically a JUCO recruit. He was the number one defensive tackle and by some recruiting services number one overall player in the class of 2015. Went to Auburn didn't really fit in there, never really produced. He played, but he wasn't a star at all. And he left this, he left last season and really, I mean, throughout spring ball, he looked 
very good. He looked good in the spring game. And by all accounts, he's continued to look like his old self in the summer. So however much of his old self he he plays, you know, that's that's a position that it, it was a weakness for Maryland last year. And if they get a guy with that upside and if he if he realizes that potential, then it immediately turns into one of the strongest positions on the team. I could definitely say that because last year Maryland had nothing behind Jesse Annabonum. And when yeah, he really got hurt, it just it was a black hole, to be fair. And it was a huge problem spot. And if you have a second guy, and Byron Coward's a good player, we think if he can add something. Yeah, I mean, even Annabonum being back healthy, like that's having the first guy. Like Maryland didn't have the first guy last year. We thought that there was more they have... at that position than there in fact was. Mm-hmm. So is he like, I don't want to say like an X factor, but it's kind of like one of those players that if he's really good, it kind of changes the outlook for an entire unit of the team. Yeah. And, and, and it's funny because one of the other players that's the biggest X factor in that, in that way is Adam McLean, who was another, you know, former big time recruit. He saw some time at the end of last year. Um, he, he's a, he's a pretty good candidate to start at, at nose tackle and, that that would be big for him. Um, well, we remember if, him saying if he's, all the if, things about Penn State that he did, which made everybody ecstatic. But hopefully he can back it up on the field because you always want players like that to be really good. Yeah, I mean, Maryland's run defense was rough last year. Its pass rush was rough. Mm-hmm. If, if they have – if they get what they can get out of Cowart and McLean – that's one of the strongest positions on the team all of a sudden. And if they don't, so, it could be a huge weakness again. Yeah. But I think that is that is the position group with the most to hit or miss loop. potential. Yeah. Hmm. The rest of them, other than quarterback, which, of course. I think it's pretty obvious. We, we, we seem to know what we're looking at with most of those groups. I, I think the other position group that intrigues me most is wide receiver. And we'll get more into this as we get later into the month of August. But the wide receivers are interesting because of all that they lost and because the running backs can and probably will play some wide receiver or slot positions, things of this nature, which I guess changes the dynamic in terms of that position group. I think it's the most in terms of newness because there's just so many new bodies or bodies that have been around but never really have done a ton. Like To me, that's the second most interesting position group on the team. Yeah, because there's – Four redshirt freshmen and four true freshmen. And, and what? Tavon Jacobs? Tavon Jacobs, DJ Turner, Jarvis Davenport, and then eight freshmen. And that does not include, as we say, running backs playing at wide receiver in certain yeah. formations. Yeah, or tight ends, who didn't catch a pass last year. Do Maryland use tight ends? Maryland will now. Oh, that that is true. Apparently they will. They got they got a tight end who catches passes too. Wow. Yeah. Novel. Chigosium Okonkwo is like a legitimate pass-catching tight end. Can't wait to hear Joe Beninati start saying that name when Maryland's played on BTN in a couple of weeks. I'm excited already. Or whoever's calling the Maryland Bowling Green game on ESPN+. I sympathize with all announcers who have to deal with very confusing names to pronounce. Because I would probably pronounce those like six times before a game and then still screw it up on the air and be very mad at myself. You know, there, there's nothing you can do. But that's interesting. As I said, like the pass-catching 
group in general, I think, for Maryland is probably the biggest wild card on the team. And the fact that it could be all sorts of different kinds of players adds a variety to an offense that got kind of stale, but also this is an entirely new offense, so who knows what we might say. Yeah, but even then for me, I think wide receiver is a position that only has so much control over how the offense operates because someone's got to throw him the ball. Yep. And that's a bigger question mark. Uh, so it always is. You know, obviously having good wide receivers is good and not having good wide receivers well, isn't good. Say, I think I think Maryland some... will be okay. Maryland I'm has had reasonably some confident Maryland's got enough superstar talent. receivers, Stefan Diggs, ringing the bell, five years, what, $81 million? Can't say yes. he doesn't deserve it for being awesome in every way, shape, or form. He was a fifth-round pick, which is so dumb, so stupid, and it was only because he had linebackers throwing him passes. Uh, you know that Maryland has had plenty of receivers in recent history make the most out of nothing. So if there's one thing Maryland's good at, it's that. So... I don't know necessarily that there's a DJ Moore or Stefan Diggs or Darius Hayward Bay in that group. You would like to think so. Maybe. Well, I think one of the young guys might be, but in a couple of years. Yeah. Probably not yet. That's it's, fine. It's possible. And it's DJ Moore wasn't DJ Moore as a freshman. That's, no, he was you're, not. You're allowed to not be. No, he was not. I don't think a lot of people are going to be DJ Moore as freshmen. That would just be great, but I don't know if Maryland's allowed to have nice things like that. Uh, one thing I do want to mention about football-related things, before we move it on, is uh, the Athlon Sports Previews are out, which is good for people like me who want to catch up on all the things that go on to know a little bit more about not just your team, but all the other teams. And there were the anonymous coach comments. I always love those because once you put a coach behind a veil of anonymity, they'll say all sorts of random stuff for just the heck of it. Uh, and what they said, the Athlon Sports Group, this is the only uh, time in this podcast we're going to talk about quarterbacks. They get makes uh, is fair to do that is they said most pundits peg hill as we're reading this from inside md sports most pundits peg hill as a favorite to guide canada's offense this season but at least one big 10 coach thinks that the job is pigrims to lose he's not the biggest guy on the field and not the biggest recruit but pigram is the best qb on that team he's one dangerous kid with the ball in his hands if he's healthy it's not even a question he takes the first snap there i wonder if that coach is lovey smith because, I mean, like, my guess for me is still Hill starts, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Pigram starts either. Yeah, I'm with you. But I think that's interesting because, as I said, like, most of us think Hill's the starter, but obviously there is a small minority that does not agree with that. I'm just happy if we actually have that debate. I'm happy if we have that, that debate. Because that means both are helping. For 12 games instead of having both of them be hurt. Well, the other thing that the anonymous coaches talked about was, uh, I don't know how you could pin that train wreck of a season on the coaching staff. Thank you, Captain Obvious. They had to use five quarterbacks and it all fell apart. Yes. And, like, one of them, one of the coach remarked that Terps defenders, if we're going to the defense, couldn't tackle anything, and there were times when it looked like they didn't care. The Penn State game, they didn't care. That's for sure. Yeah. But, but regardless of that, uh, the other comment was, uh, DJ made a lot of adjustments to that staff this offseason. You look at the moves, and it looks a lot like a guy who thinks he needs to win. I don't know if that's a fair deal. He's recruiting better there, and when they're healthy, they're a solid team. I think the coach forgot that most of the coaches left. You know, Walt Bell went to Florida State. The offensive line coach went to Penn State. A lot of the other coaches left for a myriad of other reasons. He replaced what he had to replace because he needed to replace them. Didn't think he wanted to. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm generally with you. 
I don't know if he was. I mean, he has to. Yeah. The, the argument is on like how much pressure is he under, and we could talk about this in later shows when it's more of a, I guess, a relevant topic of discussion. But it, it's like he's been dealt such a terrible hand, and so much has gone on that is out of his control. That you know, when you lose your coaches to bigger programs, you can only replace them, and I think he did a decent job in replacing them. I mean. After what Matt Canada did at Pitt, I don't think many people thought that Matt Canada was going to be Maryland's offensive coordinator eventually. And if you had mm-hmm. told Maryland fans that when Pitt was putting up 70 points a game, I don't think many Maryland fans would have been that sad. Yeah. So, again, it's all – it's all a lot of it is new, and that's going to be what's very interesting as they play Texas one month from now. God, that's crazy to think one month from now Maryland's going to be playing Texas at FedEx Field. Anyway – uh, anything else that we missed? I think we should say, um, I did see one note about soccer. That's very interesting. If you want to watch Maryland soccer and it's going to be on uh, FS one on the 31st of August against Stanford, coincidentally, right before Stanford plays a football game on FS one. And hopefully we can see it because Fox and Comcast are yelling at each other right now and complaining that one doesn't have enough money to fill their already giant coffers. So who knows? You might not be able to see Big Ten stuff on BTN and FS1 because Fox and Comcast are having a um, insert part of the male anatomy here measuring contest. I'm I don't have keep... follow. Up. I don't have a follow up joke for that. I'm trying to keep this podcast family friendly, sir. I don't want an explicit rating. A valiant, a valiant uh, cause. Well, as I say, like wait until wait until multiple quarterbacks get injured, and then it's going to be inventing curse words. But yeah, that, that's a thing that might happen. And Comcast is, of course, the large uh, cable provider in the DMV. So that would be fun if BTN and... The uh, arena is called Xfinity Center. It is called Xfinity Center, and it is already something that I, I think it'll get resolved because so many Big Ten markets use Comcast. I don't think it's something that is going to last and they'll eventually make a deal, but that's something to keep an eye on. And if it happens, not only will BTN go away, but apparently there's a deal in which Big Ten football games on FS1 go away on Comcast and they just use filler programming, the Bundesliga. So you're going to go watch Texas, Maryland and then have the Bundesliga show up. However, if that does happen, you'll get to listen to Johnny Holiday, which is good, or WMUC, who you should support if that does happen which is unfortunate, and hopefully it doesn't. But that's also something to watch out for by the end of the, uh, by the, end of the, uh, the month. I think there will be some resolution to that. Anyway, as we start to get back into the swing of things, we'll get more into more training camp stuff. Of course, as it says, keep it locked to Testudo Times. You're going to have all sorts of reports coming out from training camp as it starts tomorrow, the 3rd of August. And we're going to get back into the swing of things and get off of our uh, summer vacation modes to finally – God, less than a month till football season. Less than a month of pain and suffering again. Here we go. It could be worse, though. Could be another school in the Big Ten East. Dun, dun, dun. Yep. And with that note, go Turks. Go Terps.